Chapter forty nine of Gretchen by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty nine. Telling Arthur. Who should do the telling was the question which for some time was discussed by Frank and Judge St. Clair and Jerry naturally the task fell upon the latter who went over and over again in her mind what she should say and how she should commence but when at last the announcement came that arthur was in albany it seemed to her that she had suddenly turned into stone for every thought and feeling left her and she had no plan of action or speech as she moved mechanically about arthur's rooms making them bright with flowers especially the gretchen room which was a bower of beauty when her skilful hands had finished it slowly the day wore on every minute seeming an hour and every hour a day until jerry heard the carriage driving down the avenue and not long after the whistle of the engine in the distance then bending over maud and kissing her fondly she said pray for me darling i am going to meet my father arthur had been very quiet during the first part of the journey from san francisco and it was with difficulty that charles could get a word from him let me alone he said once when spoken to i am with gretchen she is on the train with me and i am trying to make out what it is she is telling me but after albany was left behind his mood changed and he became as wild and excitable as he had before been abstracted and silent and when at last shannondale was reached he bounded from the car before the train stopped and was collaring rob the coachman and demanding of him what was the matter with jerry and why he had been sent for rob who had received his instructions to be wholly non-committal answered stolidly that nothing was the matter with jerry but that miss maud was very sick and probably would not live many days is that all arthur said gloomily as he entered the carriage i don't see what the old harry has to do with maud's dying and certainly tom's telegram said something about that chap i have it in my pocket yes here it is come immediately the devil is to pay that doesn't mean maud there is something else rob has not told me here you rascal you are keeping something from me what is it out with it he shouted to the driver as he thrust his head from the carriage window where he kept it and in this way was driven to the door of the park-house where frank was waiting for him outside and where inside jerry stood holding fast to the banisters of the stairs her heart throbbing wildly one moment and the next seeming to lie pulseless as a piece of lead she heard arthur's voice as he came up the steps speaking to frank and asking why he had been sent for and the next moment she saw him entering the hall tall and erect but with the wild look in his eyes which she knew so well but which changed at once to a softer expression as they fell upon her jerry you here he cried as he sprang to her side and kissed her forehead and lips while jerry could scarcely restrain herself from falling upon his neck and sobbing out oh my father i am your daughter jerry but the time for this had not come and when he questioned her eagerly as to why she had sent for him she only replied maud is very sick but come with me to your rooms and i will tell you everything then there is something to pay i thought so he said as he followed her upstairs into the gretchen room where he stood for a moment amazed at the effect produced by the flowers and vines which jerry had arranged so skilfully it is like eden he said and gretchen is here with me darling gretchen he continued as he walked up to the picture and kissed the lovely face which it seemed to jerry smiled in benediction upon them both as they stood there side by side her hands resting on his shoulder which she pressed hard as if to steady herself while he talked to the inanimate face before him 
have you been lonesome gretchen and are you glad to have me back again poor little gretchen and now he turned to jerry and said it all came to me on the top of those mountains about gretchen who she was and how i forgot her so long that is the strangest of all and cherry here his voice dropped to a whisper i know for sure that gretchen is dead that came to me too yes gretchen is dead jerry answered him while her hands tightened their grasp on his shoulder as she went on i have had a message from her and that is why we sent for you jerry's hands were not strong enough to hold him then and wrenching himself from her he stood confronting her with a look more like that of a maniac than any she had seen in him before and which might have frightened one with nerves less strong than hers but she was not afraid and a strange calmness fell upon her now that she had actually reached a point where she must act and her eyes which looked so steadily into arthur's held them fast even while he interrogated her rapidly a message from gretchen where is it give it to me quick or tell me about it where is she and when is she coming never jerry answered sadly i told you she was dead but sit here and she motioned him to a large armchair sit here and let me tell you what i know of gretchen something in the girl's manner mastered him and made him a child in her hands sinking into the chair pale and panting with excitement he leaned his head back wearily and closing his eyes said to her begin what did gretchen write jerry felt that she could not stand through the interview and bringing a low ottoman to arthur's side seated herself upon it just where she could look into his face and detect every change in it let me tell you of gretchen as she was when you first knew her she said and then you will be better able to judge of the truth of all i know he did not reply and she went on gretchen was very young sixteen or seventeen when you first saw her knitting in the sunshine under the trees in wiesbaden and very beautiful too so beautiful that you went again and again to look at her and talk to her until you came to love her very much and told her so at last but you seemed so much above her that she could not believe you at first at last however you made her understand and when her mother died suddenly her mother was mrs heinrich and kept a kind of fancy store arthur interposed as if anxious that nothing should be omitted yes she kept a fancy store jerry rejoined and when she died suddenly and left gretchen alone you said to her we must be married at once and you were in the little english chapel by the reverend mr eaton who was then rector here arthur's eyes opened wide and fixed themselves wonderingly upon jerry as he said are you the old harry that you know all this but go on don't stop it all comes back to me so plain when i hear you tell it she wore a straw bonnet trimmed with blue and a white dress but took it off directly for a black one because her mother was dead did she tell you that no jerry replied she told me nothing of the dress only how happy she was with you whom she loved so much and who loved her and made her so happy for a time that earth seemed like heaven to her and then here jerry faltered a little but arthur's sharp what then kept her up and she continued then something came to you and you began to forget everything even poor little gretchen and went away for weeks and left her very sad and lonely not knowing where you were and then after some months you went away and never came back again to the little wife who waited and watched and prayed and wanted you so badly oh cherry oh gretchen i'm so sorry i didn't mean to do it i surely didn't may god forgive me for forgetting the little wife was it long was it months or was it years i can't remember only that there was a gretchen and i left her 
arthur said it was years four or more and-and jerry's breath came heavily now for she was nearing the point relating to herself and wondering what the effect would be upon him after a while there came into gretchen's life the dawning of a great hope which she felt would make you glad and wishing to keep it a secret till you came home she only gave you a hint of it she wrote i have something to tell you which will make you as happy as it does me stop and arthur put out both his hands as if groping for something which he could not find then he said go on and jerry went on slowly now for every word was an effort and spoken so low that arthur bent forward to listen to her i don't know just where gretchen's home was when she lived alone waiting for you i only know that after a while there came to it a little baby a girl baby gretchen's and yours she did not get any further for with a bound arthur was on his feet every faculty alert every nerve strung to its utmost pitch and every muscle of his face quivering with wild excitement as he exclaimed a baby gretchen's baby and mine a little girl oh cherry if you are deceiving me now jerry too had risen and was standing before him with her hands upon his arm and her eyes so like gretchen's looking into his as she said i am not deceiving you there was a baby born to you and gretchen some time in january eighteen hundred blank and it was christened in the little church where you are married by the rev mr eaton oh mr arthur how can i tell you the baby is living yet grown to womanhood now for this happened more than twenty years ago and the girl is twenty now and is waiting and longing so much for her father to recognize and claim her oh don't you understand me look at me and then at gretchen's picture for an instant arthur stood like one stricken with paralysis his eyes leaping from jerry's face to gretchen's and from gretchen's back to jerry's and then with a motion of his hands as if fanning the air furiously he gasped twenty years ago twenty years ago how old are you jerry twenty she answered but her voice was a whisper and her head fell forward a little though she kept her eyes upon arthur who went on and they christened my baby and gretchen's you say what name did they give her speak quick for i believe i am dying they called her jerine but you know her as jerry for for i am gretchen's daughter jerry said with a wild glad cry my daughter oh my daughter thank god thank god arthur sank back into the chair fainting and insensible for hours he lay in a state so nearly resembling death that but for the physician's reassurance that there was no danger jerry would have believed the great joy given her was to be taken from her at once but just as the twilight shadows began to gather in the room he came to himself waking as from some quiet dream and looking around him until his eyes fell upon jerry sitting by his side then over his white face there came a look of ineffable joy and tenderness and love as he said with a smile the most winning and sweet jerry had ever seen my daughter my little cherry who came to me up the ladder with gretchen's eyes and gretchen's voice and i did not know her have not known her all these years although she has so puzzled and bewildered me at times my daughter oh my daughter he accepted her unquestioningly and jerry threw herself into the arms he stretched toward her and on her father's bosom gave vent to the feelings she had restrained so long sobbing passionately as she felt arthur's kisses upon her face and his caressing hands upon her hair as he kept repeating my daughter gretchen's baby and mine there is more to tell 
i have not heard at all or how you came by the information he said when jerry was a little composed and could look at and speak to him without a burst of tears yes there is much more there is a letter for you with those you wrote to her jerry said but you must not have them to-night to-morrow you will be stronger now you must rest she spoke like one with authority and he did just what she bade him to do took the food she brought him went to bed when she said he must go and with her hand locked in his fell into a heavy slumber which lasted all through the night and late into the next morning it almost seemed as if he would never waken the sleep was so like death but the doctor who watched him carefully quieted jerry's fears and told her it would do her father good and that in all probability he would awake with a clearer mind than he had had in years for as great and sudden shocks sometimes produced insanity so contrariwise it sometimes restored a shattered mind to its equilibrium and the doctor was partially correct for when at last arthur awoke he seemed natural and bright with a recollection of all which had happened the day before and an earnest desire for the letters and the rest of the story which jerry told him with her arm across his neck and her cheek laid occasionally against his as she read him the letter directed to his friends and then showed him the certificate of her birth and her mother's death born january first eighteen hundred blank to arthur tracy and marguerite his wife a daughter arthur repeated again and again and as often as he did so he kissed the bright face which smiled at him through tears but there was almost as much sadness as joy mingled with the reading of that message from the dead just what gretchen's letter to arthur contained jerry never knew except that it was full of love and tenderness with no word of complaint for the neglect and forgetfulness which must have hastened her death oh gretchen i can't bear it i can't arthur moaned as he laid his hand upon jerry's shoulder and sobbed like a child to think i could forget her and she so sweet and good everything came back to him for a time and he repeated to jerry much which was of interest to her concerning her mother but with which the reader has nothing to do while jerry in her turn told him all she could remember of her life in the old house where gretchen had died then she asked him why he had never told them that she was his wife it might have helped to clear up the mystery with regard to mani and myself she said and he replied yes yes it might and i don't know why i didn't when we were first married i was going to write frank about it but gretchen persuaded me not to she had an idea that i was as much above her as a king is above his subjects and that my friends would be very angry with me and perhaps win my love from her i think this idea so strong with her must have found a place in my maddened brain and kept me from telling who she was i remember having a feeling that i must not tell until she came when i knew her sweetness and beauty would disarm all prejudice there might exist against her i was sane enough always to know that my wife would not be acceptable to either frank or dolly but oh i wish i had told them the truth at once poor gretchen poor gretchen he began to pace the room rapidly and to beat the air with his hands as he always did when roused and excited but jerry quieted him at last and then gave him his own letters addressed to gretchen but at these he barely glanced muttering as he did so how could i have written such crazy bosh as that and then suddenly recollecting himself he asked for the photograph mentioned in gretchen's letter to his friends and which he seemed to think had come with the other papers taking it from the bag jerry handed it to him while his tears fell like rain as he gazed upon the face which was far too young to wear the sad wan look it did that is as i remember her 
jerry said referring again to the strange ideas which had filled her brain and made her sure that not the dark woman found dead at her side was her mother but another and far different person whose face haunted her so continually and whose voice she sometimes seemed to hear speaking to her from the dim shadows of the far-off past when they lived in the little house in wiesbaden where the picture hung on the wall arthur remembered the picture well and when it was taken though that too had faded from his mind until jerry told him of it we will go there together jerry he said and find the house and the picture and gretchen's grave and bring them home with us there is room for them at tracy park he was beginning to talk wildly again but jerry succeeded in pacifying him and taking up the box of diamonds opened it suddenly and held it before his eyes in reading the letters he had not seemed to pay any attention to the diamonds but when jerry said to him these were mothers you sent them to her from england he replied yes i remember i bought them in paris with other things dresses i think for her while into his face there came a troubled look as if he were trying to think of something jerry who could read him so well saw the look and guessing at once its cause hastened to say father do you remember that you gave mrs tracy some diamonds like these and that some one took them from her try and think she continued as she saw the troubled look deepen and the fire beginning to kindle in his eyes it was years ago just after a party mrs tracy gave and at which she wore them you were there and thought they were gretchen's did you not yes he answered slowly i believe i did what did i do with them do you know i think you put them in your private drawer suppose you look and see obedient to her as a child arthur opened his private drawer bringing out one thing after another all mementos of the old gretchen days and finally the diamonds at which he looked with wonder and fear as he said to jerry did i take them will they call it a steal i thought they were gretchen's i remember now jerry did not tell him then of the trouble the secreting of the diamonds had brought to her and harold but she said no one will think it a steal and mrs tracy will be glad to get her jewels back may i take them to her now take them to her no arthur said decidedly she has another set i bought them for her and she wears them all day long <laughs> diamonds in the morning with a cotton gown and he laughed immoderately at what he thought dolly's bad taste take them to her no they are yours but i have mothers jerry pleaded and i cannot wear two sets yes you can one to-day one to-morrow i mean you shall have seven one for every day in the week what has dolly to do with diamonds they are for ladies and she is only a whitewashed one he was very much excited and it took all jerry's tact to soothe and quiet him father she began and he stopped at once for the sound of that name spoken by jerry had a mighty power over him father listen to me a moment and then she told him of the suspicions cast upon harold and said you do not wish him to suffer any more harold the boy who found you in the carpet-bag amy's boy no never where is he that i have not seen him yet does he know you are my daughter jerry had not mentioned harold before but she told her father now where he was and why he had gone and that she had written him to come home on maud's account if on no other yes maud i remember but harold did not care for maud still he had better come i want him here with you and me and you must stay here now day and night select any room you please all is yours my daughter but i cannot leave grandma jerry said 
let her come too arthur replied there's room for her no jerry persisted that would not be best grandma could not live with mrs tracy then let dolly go at once i'll give the order now and arthur put out his hand to the bell cord but jerry stopped him instantly saying to him remember maud while she lives her mother must stay here yes i forgot maud i have not seen her yet arthur replied subdued at once and willing that jerry should take the jewels to dolly who deserved but little forbearance from her up to the very last mrs tracy had unconsciously perhaps clung to a shadowy hope that arthur might repudiate his daughter and call it a trumped-up affair but when she heard how joyfully he had acknowledged and claimed her she lost all hope and her face wore a gloomy expression when jerry entered her room and told her in a few words that her own diamonds had been found and where they had been secreted and that she had come to return them then your father was the thief dolly said with that rasping aggravating tone so hard to hear unmoved call him what you please a crazy man is not responsible for his acts jerry answered calmly as she walked from the room leaving dolly to her own morbid and angry thoughts not even the restored diamonds had power to conciliate her i'll never wear them because she has some like them she said to herself and then the thought came to her that she could sell them and add to the sum which her husband had invested in his own name yes i'll do it she continued but even that will hardly keep the wolf from the door for frank is growing more and more imbecile every day and tom is good for nothing he'll have to scratch for himself though i can tell him here her very characteristic soliloquy was brought to an end by a faint call which had the power to drive every other thought from her heart for the mother-love was strong even with her and going to maud she asked what she wanted uncle arthur maud replied i have not seen him yet and jerry too she has scarcely been here to-day maud's request was made known to arthur who two or three hours later went to her room and told her how sorry he was to find her so sick and that he hoped she would soon be better frank was with maud sitting upon the side of her bed near the head with his arm across her pillow and his eyes fixed anxiously upon her as she held her conference with his brother no uncle she said i shall never be any better in this world but pretty soon i shall be well in the other and i want to tell you how glad i am for you and jerry and to thank you for your kindness to us all these years when jerry should have been here in our place yes yes arthur said with a wave of his hand only i didn't know if i had it would have been so different maud interrupted him i know that but i want you to be kind to poor father still and forgive him he is so sorry and-oh maud maud came like a groan from frank as he laid his hand on maud's lips while arthur replied forgive him for what he couldn't help being here i sent for him he did not keep jerry from her rightful position as my daughter if he had i could never forgive him why i believe i'd kill him or any other who knowing that jerry was my daughter kept it from me he was gesticulating with both hands and jerry who had come in with him took hold of them as they were swaying in the air and said to him softly father the word quieted him and with a gasp his mood seemed to change at once maud is very tired jerry went on perhaps we'd better go now and come again to-morrow yes yes that's best child i'm not fond of sick rooms though i must say this is very free from smells arthur replied then stooping down he kissed maud and said to her as he arose to go 
don't worry about your father he is my brother and he was kind to jerry i shan't forget that come my daughter and putting his arm around jerry he left the room End of chapter forty nine